Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, by Manning here. Welcome to the Garden Report. Celtics post-game show. It's A. Sherrod Blakely joining us live from, what do they call it, the Spectrum Center? Is that what it's it is the down spe- there? Is Spectrum Center. Uh, yeah, that's their home, the Beehive. Yeah. So game one of this mini-series. These are normally intriguing. Mm-hmm. Not as much when you're versing one of the worst teams in the league. And the Hornets had enough guys on their roster available tonight to make things interesting in the first half, make things frustrating for the Celtics, frankly, the way they played coming out of the gates. And I saw Shades, I saw Gary tweeting this, Sherrod, and I agreed. Midway through the second quarter, I got worried. Celtics were keeping it close, but the way they were playing energy-wise out of the gates in the first quarter and then into that second one, I said, is this going to be part two of the Oklahoma city game. And that's yeah. what I was worried about going into halftime, but they come out of halftime after a strong close into the second and pretty much just blow the doors off the Hornets in the second half. I completely shut them down in the third score offense out of their defensive stops. And the rest is uh, history there in the game. They, they win this one going away. Uh, what was your biggest impression of this one, Sherrod? Well, you know, it's such a cliche because you hear coaches and players talk about it all the time. But this really was one of those next man up type games. You know, Derek White goes down in in the first quarter and Derek was eight points in four minutes, scored their first and second uh, threes of the game and was in a really good groove until he had that collision with Marcus Smart and was unable to return uh, due to a neck injury. But after his departure, you know, it took the Celtics a little while to kind of catch the groove. But then started seeing them lean on some of those guys, uh, guys like Malcolm Brogdon, who just, you know, again, unstoppable. They could not do anything with him. Peyton Pritchard, I thought, did a really, really good job in the second half, starting in place of Derek White and really just putting his presence, his impact on the game. He was another guy that, again, he only had nine points, but his presence was so much more significant than that, uh, taking advantage of his opportunity to play a little bit more. Uh, and, and that, for the Celtics, that's what this team has been about most of the season. Guys figuring out how to make their impact on the game, doing the little things, uh, whether it's diving for a loose ball. One of my favorite plays was, you know, Rob Williams, who Rob's had a lot of injuries, let's be honest. Now picking up, getting into the hands of Malcolm Brogdon, knocks down a big three. Little things like that that they have to do and be more comfortable doing and more consistent doing. That's how you're going to be one of the last teams standing, which is ultimately obviously you know, their goal. 
Yeah, those those pair of offensive rebounds Rob got in the first half changed things energy wise because you weren't getting it from Tatum. I I thought again he he just sort of jogged into this game. It didn't have great energy in the early going. The team got jump shot happy as a whole. They hit those threes. You mentioned the white ones early. Smart got one to go. He ends up taking nine of his first 10 shots in a 10-shot first half, which is above his average for a game from three. And he his shot looked weird after that first make for the rest of the night. I think he finished three of 12 from deep. Uh, they took 41 of their first 70 shots from three they love it but i felt like they settled early after getting robbed some good looks in the opening minutes there i love like the first five minutes of that first half and then they got away from working the ball around and creating quality shots which uh, makes sense against a team like charlotte that it's probably hard not to show up and think you're gonna win outright against uh, but fortunately they were able to shake that loose i'd say starting around the end of the second quarter when did you see them kind of break out of their slump yep yeah, I mean that that's feel the you things tighten up a little. I thought the Hornets got a little bit tighter around that middle to latter part of the second quarter because they were sensing what I think we all were sensing, and that the Celtics are basically one or two plays away from completely swinging the momentum in their favor and pulling away from this thing. And they did that. You know, I mean, outscoring them, I think it was like they they limited uh, Charlotte to just nineteen points in the third quarter, which when you look at what they were doing in the first half, that to me was when the game really started to kind of flow into the Celtics' favor, when they allowed that defense to lead them. And that's something that before the game, me and Al Horford had a long conversation about that, about just some of the things that they need to do going forward to remain the team that everyone else is chasing. And defense is the number one thing that this team has to become more consistent with because they've shown flashes of being that elite defensive team that we saw a year ago. And they know in their heart of hearts that type of defense, not identical to that, but that type of on the defensive end of the floor, that's what's going to get you a championship. As great as they looked at the beginning of the season, knocking down any and every shot, that's great for regular. That's a good regular season blueprint for success, but that's not going to work in the playoffs when we know the game slows down. Uh, opportunities to get out and get wide open shots become defense is going to have to be at a minimum solid uh, if you're going to compete spectacular if you want to win at the highest level. Yeah, and one of the biggest reasons I felt like in, in the Celtics, I don't know what Al said to you today, but I, I felt like they struggled early in the year because of frankly lacking individual efforts in that switching defense whether it was Jalen whether it was Brogdon who I felt like got off to a rough defensive start to the season even Smart you looked at some of the numbers Smart did not play up to his standard defensively to start this year for whatever reason and they've come around big time especially since Rob's gotten back you've heard guys talk about how much more aggressive they can play on that end with Rob out there they start double big again tonight which I love it feels like Joe's buying into that lineup from last year, even though Jalen's not available for this one. And they're capable of great things with double bigs playing together. They even tried some other kind of double big combinations like Luke and Al, which didn't work great. But your big two of Al and Rob in this game, combining to start the halves and then potentially closing games at some points like they've tried in the last weeks here, have major potential. The numbers look great with that group again. Pretty much the same production you were getting from them last year, about 93 points per 100 possessions allowed. It's elite stuff. When those two guys are out there, you're the best defense in the NBA. And since Rob got back, 
I believe the team ranks second in defensive rating uh, as a team, not just in his minutes. So they've been inspired by his return. They said all along that once he got back, they could get back to being that defensive team they were a year ago. And now it looks like you have the potential at the very least to be the number one defense and number one offense in the league, which I'd assume doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. But, you know, when people think about Rob's return, and particularly from a defensive standpoint, they tend to focus on his ability to alter shots around the rim and just make teams leery of attacking the Celtics. But the real essence of why him and I think Al work so well as double bigs is because of the switchability that those yeah. guys allow you to have. They allow when teams want to, want to you know, switch their guards out on your big man, you've got two very good bigs in terms of their lateral quickness in terms of their ability to recover in terms of the knowing better than most bigs just how to give enough space to contest the shot without fouling I think they do a, both of those guys do a really good job of that and Rob I thought in this game uh, I thought he did a lot more IQ work than necessarily athleticism work there were a number of times where Rob would just simply uh, rather than jump and leave his feet or, or put his hand up and they would just miss the shot because he has figured out that his presence often is enough to get guys to miss shots. And, and obviously, you know, he he still can be that that shot-blocking, big-time impact player. But again, Rob, I think he's understanding the chess elite defender much better now, and that's going to make this team better in the long run and give them a chance, as I said earlier, to be the last team standing because that ultimately is what this season is about for them. Yeah, and you can get by on your off-shooting nights if you're playing that kind of defense. And with those two guys out there, the new element of offensive rebounding, like we said, the key pair that Rob got in this game, I think he's eighth in offensive rebounding percentage uh, right now among guys who play his minutes. So he came right back and was that rebounder we saw a year ago uh, who's all over those boards like a pogo stick in the lane there just jumping up tipping them out sometimes he's going to the floor and shaking guys off and getting the ball out like that great one he had tonight he's been incredible a few blown layups the finishing in the first half as a whole was strange it just it was multiple guys going inside I think Pritchard missed the room completely on one of them Brogdon continued to have the issues he's had inside but Brogdon to me was the story of this game best game I've seen from him in a Celtics uniform I think uh, steps up with Derek White going down and I'm sure we'll get an uh, update from Joe Sway who's down in Charlotte as well in the pressers uh, on Derek White who left the game a couple minutes in after taking a hit from Marcus Smart on the sideline there called a neck sprain uh, which doesn't sound great but better than some of the other outcomes that were possible there out of that play including a concussion uh, but Brogdon Plays more minutes, gets up to that 30-minute mark, scores 30 points, uh, hits 5 of 7 in the lane. Again, that had been his big problem uh, right up until tonight. Uh, and then he started hitting shots from every angle in the in rim area tonight. But the three-pointers back, he had about an eight-game slump between the end of December and into January. And now 11 to 17, 4 of 6. John's talked about this. This guy's sort of morphing between a second-unit facilitator and this high-volume shooter-scorer that we've seen him be in the past as well. And on this team that wants to shoot a ton of threes, 
uh, that wants to have all this movement and versatility offensively, he does need to be aggressive. And I feel like the first month or two he's in Boston, he's kind of trying to get his feet wet, get used to playing on the second unit again, get other guys like Hauser and uh, his second unit teammates going. And now he's looking for a shot. You see him stepping into the mid-ranger. You see him firing away from three at a high volume, at least a higher volume than he's typically uh, used to shooting and drawing free throws in the lane. So you have a guy in this game who's who's deadly from all three levels. And the, the Celtics need this guy. This is the kind of guy who's going to win playoff games for them, but playing like this. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports and World Cup. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Well, the, the thing that, that that jumps out to me about his play was that I don't think it's coincidence that the most aggressive we've seen Malcolm Brogdon be this year just so happens to be the game that we don't have Jalen, Tatum is struggling, and the energy overall is relatively low. Uh, they, you know, Charlotte did exactly what a team in their position should do. If you're playing a quality team that's not playing with great effort, you can outwork them and position yourself to be successful and have a lot of, of you know, good runs on the court. And I thought in the first half, that's for the most part, that's what we saw from Charlotte. But Malcolm was able to, I think, game-changing, galvanizing force that the Celtics are going to need from time to time once they get into the postseason and are looking to just, at that point, once you get to the playoffs, it's really not about style points. It's about finding a way to win games. And Malcolm, would, I think the challenge for him is to bring that same aggressiveness that we saw tonight playing with Jason and Jalen. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if he is comfortable being that guy just yet, but it's not for him. It's not even about ability. It's about just wanting to do it. It's just about having the, the comfort level to do that. Uh, and, and again, you know, we talk about his score again, Tatum, his final numbers look great, but he did not have a great game by any stretch no. of the imagination. I he mean, had one I good thought, half, maybe one good quarter. I would say one good quarter. Uh, because a lot of the success that they had that put them in position to be successful was guys like Malcolm, guys like Peyton Williams making hustle plays. Uh, you know, you start going down the line of other guys who did little things that helped position them, and then you come to the realization that Tatum did what great players do, and that is even on bad nights, their numbers are going to look good. And this was one of those games for him. They found good combinations, too, lineup-wise. I like Brogdon and Smart sharing the floor together. That's the duo they imagine closing many games together because of blowouts and injuries and uh, Derek White ascending as a starter. You've, you've seen them go in other directions on some nights, but White going down tonight, no Jalen Brown. They got to play together quite a bit. And Smart, to his credit, stepped aside after all those first-half misses for the most part in the second half. Sort of let Brogdon rock, which is important. Because uh, as we've said, Brogdon steps into the situation amicable, not wanting to ruffle too many feathers. He takes the bench role. He's taken less minutes, which I'm still puzzled about to some degree. I don't. Uh, three things floating around my head there: obviously the health, uh, the management, 
uh, White and other guys taking those minutes possibly, uh, but also the defense with Brogdon, which hasn't been great. I thought tonight was about as good as we've seen it all year. A couple steals in the lane, just getting his hands on some balls and sensing passes and all that stuff better. But it has trouble staying in front of guys at times. So that might be another factor that they're considering in there, along with the overall wear and tear. But it was just great to see him play a lot tonight and get a rhythm and be able to play with some of the starters rather than the second unit guys. There are a lot of fans who are going to want to see him start especially after a night where Smart was 3 of 12. And it's just, you know, we're here. We're here on post-game reacting. Um, but he's so comfortable in this role. You need second-unit minutes. You need to be able to win second-unit minutes, especially in the playoffs. And he, the last two or three games here, their second unit has driven them. And we'll give Peyton Pritchard some credit in a minute. Uh, but Brogdon's at the center of whoever's out there succeeding with second units, even if it's starters staggering in like Tatum and Smart. Uh, he, he's able to get on the ball. He's able to get off the ball. There's just so many things he can do. And it makes you want to see him play more so he can be in different rotations and different combinations and get comfortable with what he's going to have to do come playoff time. I mean, once the playoffs start in April, this is you need him 31 minutes. You do. Yeah, but the challenge is, is figuring out how do you get him 31 minutes while still getting minutes to Derek White, while still giving minutes to Marcus Smart. To me, they've got to figure out how to make that trio work consistently, not necessarily together, but in, in the same game. And I think it's hard because, you know, the, it seems Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, that seems to be the kind of the, the – the challenge that they have in, as far as like keeping both of those guys on the floor significant minutes. I think one of the things they like about Derek White being in that starting group, again, is that defensive versatility. He has the ability to switch out uh, and guard players who are a little bit bigger, a little bit rangier, more so than Malcolm Brogdon. Although I got to tell you right now, when they go back and look at the tape and they look at the number of times times that Charlotte Biggs tried to back down, not be able to do it at all. I'm starting to I'm starting to kind of come around to the idea that Malcolm is is someone that they have to be concerned with when in switches because it's clear to me he's strong as hell. Malcolm is way stronger than I thought. I know um, what play you're thinking was, of that great one where he just stonewalled. He just Nick stonewalled Richards. the guy, and and he and he did that to him a couple of times in this game, and and that is not a small man that he's keeping from getting to where he wants to get to. So I'm not. I'm not as concerned about that part of his game as I was uh, earlier in the season. Uh, and, but again, these are, what we're talking about are the kind of problems that as a coach you love to have. How do I get really good players on the floor more minutes? Uh, because even when I get that wrong, I'm still going to come out getting it right. Because what, I give Derek White fewer minutes, that means more for Malcolm. Okay, I don't give Malcolm 30 minutes, I give Derek. 25-28 instead, and he goes three for seven threes and plays good defense. Those are the kind of challenges that I think Joe Mazzula has to really, you know, just kind of work through. But again, because of what those guys can do and their ability, it doesn't really hurt or impact the, the bottom line, which is winning games. Yeah, this is the beauty to some degree of having to deal with injuries and some guys moving in and out of the lineup as you do get broadened more opportunity here. You can see him with different guys, and you can Start to think of other ways to play lineup-wise. Tonight, I thought about as much experimenting as they've done all year with those combinations. Uh, we'll get to 
Peyton Pritchard in a minute. Justin Jackson plays real minutes for the first time all year in place of Sam Hauser. Uh, they use Cornette in different combinations tonight alongside Al Horford. And the first half tries didn't work great. That, that second unit, particularly with the double bigs and the bench unit, got smashed in, in the second quarter. So I don't think you're going to see Cornette and Horford out there together again anytime soon. Uh, but you did see, as we talked about, Broadden playing with Smart and uh, Jackson sneaking in for a few minutes there. I found that interesting because I guess we'll get to it now, Sherrod, just because it, it's on the top of my mind, that adjustment they make there toward Jackson, who is a sharpshooter. You watch him in practice, you watch him shooting around and the summer league that got him on this roster preseason. I know he had that Ofer game, but he can really shoot. Not quite Hauser ability, what we've seen from Hauser at his best, um, but you uh, see him nailing threes in these shooting competitions and guys talk about him. So I am, you know, at least mildly intrigued by the possibility that he could start fighting with Hauser for a few minutes here because it's just not happening for Hauser. And I did get to talk to Hauser in Brooklyn before I got back here and he's liking the atten- he's liking the looks he's getting uh, he, he's not seeing too much different from defenses but he's just in this extended slump now where he's below 30 percent from three since the end of November uh, he doesn't bring a ton else to the table when you think about his defense and this dose of playmaking he had a nice assist against Brooklyn he's out there competing grabbing boards just trying to stick his nose in place but he's out there to shoot and right now now, the way Hauser's shooting, Justin Jackson could probably hit a three in a couple minutes. He didn't tonight, but all of a sudden, if you're out there for a month and change like Hauser's been and, and not providing much, your job's going to be on the line to some degree, especially when we start to think about the trade deadline. So this might just be less about Hauser and Jackson and more about how they're going to fill those wing minutes, including Brogdon, including maybe a trade target closer to the deadline. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when you think about this particular game, it really has been, unfortunately, just kind of a synopsis of what it's been like for Sam the last few weeks. Uh, Just nothing is going down to the point where even when he's getting great looks that are lightly contested or uncontested, he's still not knocking those shots down. It's stunning because he's so good. He's such a good shooter. The only thing I can can reason is that it's, it's, it's become a head game now. That it's it's in his head that he's not making shots a little bit, and, and you know I, I noticed in a couple of his shots, it was almost as if he was just when he released it, he didn't just release it to, like we're accustomed to seeing where he goes up, and you expect it to go in. It, it feels like he's he's putting a little too much pressure on himself to knock down shots. Uh, and to your point, Bobby, there isn't anything necessarily he does outside of knocking down shots that stands out that you can see. He can lean on that can keep him on the floor. Whereas, you know, Justin Jackson, I think he's a little bit better defender, uh, not quite as good a shooter. But for this team, you don't have to be a great shooter in that role. You just have to be a guy that can knock down open shots. Uh, And that's really, to me, where Sam is really falling off. It isn't the fact that he's missing shots. He's missing the open ones, the shots that great shooters are going to find a way to make, even when they're in a slump. And we're just not seeing enough of that from him. Yeah, I want to sneak that in there. We won't spend too much time on those guys, but I am interested to hear why uh, Jackson got into this game because I think this is only the second time we've seen Jackson in real minutes this year that I can remember. Maybe in a third game where he snuck in for a few minutes, but that shows you where they're starting to look in terms of Hauser, and they love Hauser. They do. They front office 
they were raved all summer about this guy and what he accomplished in Maine. And then you saw it shooting 45%, maybe even better than that out of the gate this year. And he's just come crashing down to earth right now. And that is a slightly important rotation spot. Maybe it's not one that they use in the playoffs, uh, but at least for the regular season, if you're trying to take some pressure off Tatum and now Brown's out for a week or so here, you need a wing who can play. And tonight it's Brogdon. They don't want to overextend Brogdon. So all of a sudden, I think Jackson comes into play on Monday afternoon uh, if, if they're going to continue to try to look in that direction for some minutes there. Chat's going crazy about Smart. It's been it's been a tradition here on the Celtics postgame show going back a decade. It's bad Smart night. Even with the season he's had, is going to send this, this chat into a frenzy right now. So let's dive in. To the to the choppy water here with with the chat, the way they're going at it right now, and discuss his night. But first, got to show some love to HelloFresh, arguably my favorite sponsor we've had here in the Garden Report. I, I love it so much. I love food, and I love fresh, healthy food, and that's what I'm getting with my uh, fish box that I get pretty much every week right now. Shred, I got another one on the way. Got some bass, some salmon. Even a kale salad, which is controversial with John. Luckily, he's not here to get into it. Uh, but a nice hummus came on the side. And you're going to get 21 of these meals for free when you go to HelloFresh.com slash Garden21. I only got three with my first delivery. Three more coming on the way. You can customize them. I went with that fish box. You can go with meat. I know Sherrod loves the meatloaf. Well, you can go with meatloaf. your vegetarian option if you keep the if veggies you don't eat you keep the veggies all veggies all you i'll go with the meatloaf Thank they're you. available they're available shrub did not get all of those uh many options whatever your dietary needs are they have them uh, and again comes in a box with ice in, insulated fresh ready to go you could throw it on the uh, grill instantly you can uh, freeze it whatever you need to do HelloFresh.com slash Garden21. Go look at what's available over there to you. Uh, again, I, I, I've i loved this product. They've been a sponsor here before, so we've gotten all kinds of different boxes and you know different meal options from them. You can try out different ones, see what you like, see what you don't, see what's available. All the spices are prepackaged. The instructions are laid out uh, for you. So even if you're not someone who cooks a ton, they're going to tell you step-by-step step what you need to do to get it done, and it's fun. When you have those in front of you. So HelloFresh.com slash Garden21. Go give it a try. I love it. 21 free meals and free shipping. That's important as well. Uh, HelloFresh.com slash Garden21. Let's talk, Marcus. I I didn't love his game. So I'll hand it to the chat. We, we know the numbers, Sherrod. When he shoots this much, they don't tend to win. When he limits his shooting, they win a ton statistically. They They counteracted that trend in this game he did a bunch of other things including steals assists as you can see passing i think he focused more on playmaking in the second half uh, but they gave him threes early and this is a mild concern of mine when it comes to the offense when he's out there is that teams can fill the lane uh, with multiple bodies and you know kind of funnel the ball to him and he's going to be willing to take those shots he'll sometimes go downhill for those secondary dribble drives but uh, he's another guy doesn't get talked about as much because we're more focused on his playmaking who's seen his shooting slip he went on a hot stretch there cold start for the first couple weeks of the year heats up a little bit and now tonight i thought his shot yeah he's not the best shooter ever but i thought even tonight his shot wasn't even what it 
uh, was when he was shooting average. One of them, he just kind of heaved up there. I know he had an injury lately, some lower body stuff going on with him. Who knows how that's impacting his shot. Just came back from that knee contusion. But he shot a ton tonight, didn't look great. Uh, and that was part of some of their offensive issues in the first half. He took nine of his first 10 shots from three. I, I think he figured it out in the second half along with everybody there. But bit of a divisive game on the smart front in the chat. Brogdon has a big night. People are going to turn toward Brogdon because he scores the points. But I like some of the other stuff he's able to bring to the table, even on a bad shooting night. Well, you know, the, the, biggest, issue I, the biggest issue I had with Marcus was I just didn't think that he attacked he that Charlotte defense. And that, that bothered me because I, I thought a lot of those early threes, really, if he would have just taken a dribble and then two and then three dribbles next to that forced that defense to react to him. And I, I thought he, he bailed the defense out in the first half. He made them look much better than they are because he's taken what I thought were good shots. But the reason this team has been so great is because they, they have this understanding that I take good shots if it's there. I need to work towards great ones. Uh, again, part of the conversation I mentioned earlier I had with Al Horford, he said that for him is one of the things that he and the rest of the guys have to get more consistent with, understanding the need to pass up good shots at times for great ones. They've done a good job overall this season doing that, but they'll have those stretches. And I thought in the first half was one of those stretches where – that particular part of who they are was nowhere to be found. Uh, and, and Marcus had a lot to do with that. But here's the thing. As, as much as I think people are. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, having some Wi-Fi issues with Sherrod in the arena. Got you back, Sherrod? Yeah, uh, very different Marcus Smart. And he, as the criticism he deserved in the first half, he should absolutely get the credit for what he adjusted to in the second half. There you go. Looking good there now. Go. All right. Bottom line, criticizing for the first half. But give him credit for making the adjustments in a second to help the team win. Great. I I don't know why there needs to be a big referendum on him after a bad night. He hasn't had many of these this year. Looking at the game log right now, you, you have to struggle to find a, a games where he launches like this, which I think made it a little shocking for people watching and probably brought back some nightmares of a younger smart who would do this more often. Uh, but this year, contained only nine shots per game, five threes per game. Uh, came into tonight hitting 33%, which is about in line with what he's done for three, four years now. And I think you have to be happy uh, with the year he had last year. And he's pretty much taken the same approach this year. If anything, he's taking even less shots than he did a year ago. 10.1 a game, down from 11 in 2020. So Smart hasn't taken this few shots since he was coming off the bench in that last Kyrie year where he was as far down the rotation as we've seen him that year with Terry Roger and Kyrie and all those other guys, Jalen all competing for minutes and shots there. He's been constrained 
you know, and I think you do want to see him finish around the rim and take more shots around the rim in terms of the shot selection, which varies on some nights. Uh, he needs to be around the rim to play make at the ability that he wants to. But in this game, they sort of did some different things offensively. I, I saw them going through the bigs for passing at times. Uh, they obviously were trying to get t- Jason going as well. I don't think Jason should get a free pass for that first pass for first half either. So you end up with smart off. Half. So you end up with smart off the ball catching and wide open. And we've talked about this. If if you're wide open from three you're going to shoot it. And Marcus Smart's in that camp. You know, the, you want to see some varied approach. Maybe you feel you don't have it and you got to get downhill again. And as you talked about, Sherrod, they talk about passing up good shots for great shots, which I love to hear because other coaches would be like, oh, you're open, you got to shoot it. They talk about finding a better shot, uh, which Horford does a good job with, which Smart does a good job with most nights. But tonight he ended up with the ball wide open a lot on that perimeter. And that is something you could picture happening against a really good defense in the playoffs. Tonight, though, you weren't facing a good defense. So this was settling. This was, um, I think, just sort of passiveness from him and Tatum in the first half. And they dug themselves a hole that fortunately they got out of. But I did get worried with the approach early that this was going to end up being an Oklahoma City-style game. And because of the second half that Smart had, because of the second half that Tatum had, and especially Brogdon and Rob waking them up with their play in those second units, uh, you were able to escape a, a horrid quarter and a half. I mean, Sherrod, 14 minutes into this game, you know how many points in the paint they had? Six. The Celtics? Yeah. it was. I know it was single digit. I didn't know how bad it was. Yeah. They were passive. Yeah. Yeah, and the opportunities to attack – and finish at the rim, I thought were there, but they just didn't do that. Uh, they settled. I mean, they really they, they played a lot of hero ball in this game in the first half. And it, it began with Tatum. I mean, Tatum looked really, really bad in the first half. Uh, did not look uh, aggressive. Uh, didn't look energetic. And, and again, I don't care about as much about the body language. It's, it's just the results. I mean, if you can't, if you're not going to look engaged, at least knock down some damn shots so that I can focus on that part of your game. But when you're not knocking down shots and you don't seem all that engaged and you're not being aggressive uh, on a night when, again, your your partner in crime, you know, Jalen Brown is, is not out there. So you need to be even more uh, impactful or 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 use your teammates and get them going. And and I, I thought Tatum came in here looking to score early on, and it didn't work. And fortunately, his teammate figured out, well, we'll do some things, and then Jason can kind of get into his rhythm um, through the course of the game. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, I don't think Charlotte's defense all of a sudden disappeared. I just think that Tatum became more aggressive, uh, became more assertive. And, you know, Malcolm, Pritchard, Rob Williams, Al Horford made a bunch of big plays. The the group lifted Tatum up, which is very different than what we see most of the season. Usually it's the other way around. If I'm going to go after Smart for anything this year, and I know it's a post-game show. We're talking about what happened tonight. And for some reason, the, the, the chat, I guess they want us to say bench him, trade him, let, let Brogdon take all his – I don't know what they want. I don't know what's going to make them happy. Bad first half, as you said. Good second half. Good season 
So what are we talking about here with Marcus Smart? The guy's been great for them. I think he's been one of the keys to the team this year, offensively. Now, defensively, I don't know. It's a weird dynamic with him out there this year. The numbers don't look great. He is taking on a variety of opponents, but he just came off a defensive player of the year, so you're going to hold him to a high standard there. And that's the thing, Bobby. He hasn't been quite himself on that end. Standard. No, he, he's been with the standard that he has set. It's his own fault that he gets yeah. criticized for his defense because he's been such an elite defender for so many years, and he finally got the crown jewel of, of defensive greatness, which is Defensive Player of the Year award, and now it's like, so what are you going to do for an encore? And, you know, if we're being honest and transparent about it, he has a level. He hasn't taken his defense to another level. If anything, he may have been taking a, sli- a slight step back statistically from where he was last year and just from impact. Uh, I don't think he's had that same impact defensively this year that we saw last year. Uh, That doesn't make him a bad defender because, again, the standard that he has set is so ridiculously high. Uh, Marcus Smart at 75, 80% of it uh, at his best is better than most perimeter defenders in the league. And and that's that's just the reality of it. And when he's not at playing at the level that he has set as a standard for himself, people are going to question. And what what's going on with him? And, and understandably, mistake about it, people. Marcus Smart is still an elite defender. When you look at what he's capable of doing relative to other wings in this league, he's still among the best of the best. Has he been the best version of himself this year? I don't think so. But that doesn't mean he's not very good. Yeah, and he came into this year hurt, Sherrod. We knew the ankle injury never fully healed from the playoffs. You know the quad thing that's been lingering for years, and then you add a knee contusion to the list. You're going to expect them to not quite look like himself. But you know what? This is a couple games back. Yeah, but this is but that's what happens when you play defense the way he does. There's a toll that you're all out the way he does, and eventually you're going to have to pay that toll if you're a player. And I think we're seeing the last couple years. You know, Smart has had to make some down payments on that toll that his body's taking, whether it's missing a few games here, you know, whether it's a hand injury, hand injury, knee injury, bone bruise, he's had little nips, you know, kind of nicks and bruises that have kept him either limited or kept him on the sideline for short periods of time. That's what happens when you play defense the way he has for the bulk of his career. Uh, at some point, the injury bug is going to be a factor. Uh, it may not be a long-term you're missing X number of weeks and months. It's going to be enough to where you are not going to be available every single night. Um, so it's it's not that shocking. Um, but the good news for Marcus Smart is he's missed some games and they've got about half the season left to play. And so there's plenty of time for him to ratchet his defensive level intensity up because that's what this team is going to need when they get to the playoffs. They have to be better defensively. They have to. Yeah, I'm not saying it's only a couple of people in the chat here, I think, who are growing him. I, I don't see it. He, he pushes the pace. He, he's shooting shots in the lane. He's posting up this year. It's just a three. Shoot a lot of three, Sherrod. He got caught in that tonight, missed a ton. And I think people are just a little pissed off about it, even after a win. And look, yeah. plus 24 while missing nine threes. He had to yeah. be doing something else right. And not like yeah. plus minus is the is the end all be all, but plus twenty four is pretty significant in a game you were fighting and trailing for most of them most of it in. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to Peyton Pritchard, who 
Sherrod grabbed a video of. You can check it out on his Twitter. The Dunking. bounce is real. Looking like he's the getting Peyton into Pritchard form. The bounce is real. Nice to see him playing, getting extended minutes. Now, when he first started playing after the second uh, bout of injuries here, Sherrod, didn't look like he was in phenomenal shape to me. <laughs> you know, you, like you're not, playing, you're not playing, you're not practicing a ton. I think it's tough to be in game shape in the position he's in. But now that you're seeing him get a few games under him, dunking like that, free game, not something I've seen from him. And continuing to look active, aggressive, engaged, and a little more bouncy and fluid in his movements out there. The Brooklyn game was great. I thought he was fine tonight, you know, stepping into some extra minutes. Goes four for 11, one of six, scored nine points. Offensive rebounding, becoming a niche for him. It's almost like a knee smith. He's added that to his game, and he's just rolling with it as part of his, as part of his repertoire. Uh, sneaking under the rim. I like what he said actually in Brooklyn after the game of learning to play below the rim because that's where a lot of the rebounds are going to end up. So he gets to these spots that he thinks guys aren't looking at, uh, that the ball can just drop underneath to. And you do see it just falls into his hands a lot of the time. He's able to get putbacks and the rest down there. This is a tough one. I settled um, about a week or two ago on the fact that they should probably look into trading him just because on an average night, really? Yeah. On an average night, I don't think he plays and you're, you're walking this fine line right now of are Brogdon and smart going to get hurt. And will you need him in the playoffs if that happens? And the tough part for me, we talked earlier about the wings you do have two wings who are going to play pretty much entire games in the playoffs, so you don't necessarily need a backup wing. Uh, but if Brogdon's not going to be able to play upwards of 40 minutes and he's that backup wing and he's already taking minutes from Pritchard if this team's fully healthy, I don't know what Pritchard gets you. John has said he has zero value. I don't agree with that. I think he has some value in a trade on a rookie contract one more year in front of him. He has value. Decent salary. He, You're not going to get a yeah. ton for him, but, but I think he and can be part of a deal that brings a guy well, back. Well, see, that's the problem. If you're not going to get anything of value in return, what are you doing? No, I'm he, not just dumping him. He's not a guy that's a problem in your locker room. He's not a guy that, that lacks the ability to do things out there. It's just that it's a numbers game. I mean, you look at the guys ahead of him. Those guys are better than him. Yeah. That doesn't mean you get rid of him. That doesn't mean you decide. He tonight did exactly what guys in his position are supposed to do. You get an opportunity that you didn't bank on, that you didn't count on, that gives you more minutes to play. So what do you do? You make an impact. You you go out there and you play well enough to where the coach understands that when your number is called, you're going to be ready. This was a professional I'm ready to go whenever you call my number coach kind of game for Pritchard. Because there's no way. The way Derek White started this game, there's no way Pritchard uh, would, would you know, could, could believe that he was going to play 25 or so minutes. But when Derek goes down, uh, Malcolm plays a little bit more. Pritchard plays a little bit more. You start the second half, you go with Pritchard uh, so that you keep Malcolm in that impact guy off the bench roll. And he did what he he did exactly what they needed him to do. He made his presence felt. And, I, again, I, I understand why. Some people 
are, you know, wanting to see him move. But you got to The thing that I keep coming back to is this. When you look at that Golden State team that, that beat the Celtics, they had a number of guys like Andrea Iguodala and, and some other guys on the bench uh, who didn't play significant roles every single night. Some nights, some of those guys didn't even play. But they were ready to play, and Golden State had them available and ready to play. They didn't just try to package, you know, some of those guys up and get another, you know, you know, big team, big name, or big time prospect. They utilized the guys that they had to work with, and I think Pritchard again, he's not going to play a ton of minutes, but I'm confident that in the right situation, he can play well enough to win you a playoff game. I agree, and he was part of your playoff rotation last year I think both these arguments are right Sherrod and it, it, the results are dictated right if they keep him and everybody's healthy and he doesn't play a minute and their wing depth lacking you're gonna say oh the Gallinari and Pritchard are just sitting on the bench and uh, Blake and Cornette all these guys just aren't playing you couldn't have packaged them with a pick or something and gotten yourself a wing if that's what kills them in the end you'll say all right why didn't you do this but if Brogdon goes down in the second round and Pritchard steps in and does a great job and becomes a big part of your rotation again, you'll be like, wow, thank, thank God they didn't trade Pritchard at the deadline. So it's such a tough call. You almost have to look into the future. But you also have to assess how good can Pritchard be in the playoffs because he wasn't great last year. That's a big reason you went out and got Brogdon. Uh, can Cornette play in the playoffs if you're looking to have him in a deal, possibly? Uh, Justin Jackson, Sam Hauser, of course, I think you're going to question if those guys can play in the playoffs, particularly with how they're playing in the regular season right now. So your depth's been good. I think you have enough depth for a playoff rotation right now. And then you have the second layer of depth and emergency guys like Pritchard and Hauser and Cornette uh, who can come in if you have an injury. But you do think, all right, can you can you consolidate this a little bit? Go get a veteran. They open up a roster spot, which I, which I found interesting, of course, with that Noah Vonley trade. It's like I'm right in the middle, Shroud. I'm not saying get rid of Pritchard, but I'm starting to lean, all right, what could you get? What could you get? Well, and it, it, what, intri- what intrigues me would be like a veteran shooter, um, a guy with a real ability to knock down shots off your bench and a reliability there that maybe Pritchard, Hauser, and some other guys don't don't have. And I'm just throwing some names out there like Malik Beasley or who they've liked well, we, in the past, by the way. Yeah, and and and, and they've had conversations about Malik Beasley, you for know, coming to Boston for, for yep. a while. So that, that's uh, yeah, that that's a very common uh, absolutely. Alec Burks is another guy I think of from Detroit, a team that's probably going to be selling. The sell was emerging, and you can stack up if you traded Pritchard, Gallinari, Cornette, and Jackson. That gets you about sixteen million coming back, possibly, uh, in a deal. So that's a that's a medium sized contract. A guy on a on a reliable bench player could come back in a deal like that but you're giving up a lot in terms of guys who are here who have been in your system who know what you want to do and none of them scream that more than Pritchard who again we've seen twice this year step into the lineup do a good job and hold the line well Brogdon Smart and now Derek White have all faced injuries and Jalen Brown now as well so it's it's hard it's not an easy conversation um I'm right in the middle but I'm starting to and lean toward looking at maybe making a deal with some guys like that. I think you absolutely have to look at it, but I, I'm I, again I'm hesitant to to go there just because one, whoever you bring in, you have to there's that 
that period of adjusting to your new teammates. Uh, and yep. most of the and most of the guys that you're talking about are guys that are going to want to come in and they're going to get their shots if they want to get their numbers. That's and, the tough part, right? These guys are and, okay sitting that we're talking right. about. And, 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 and again, it's, it's not always about talent. you, you got to consider fit as well. And yeah. I think that's what makes make dealing with some of those guys a little bit trickier than people would think. Because if you want to simply get more talent, I don't think that a challenge but getting more talent that you already have that you plan to keep i think that becomes very difficult and very tricky to do because you know particularly when you're talking about guys who are either in a contract year or going into a contract year um their agenda they have a different agenda while their agenda the thing here's the thing everybody in the nba wants to win players want to win on their terms more times than not and often their terms are them getting shots them getting you know opportunities to showcase what they can do and that isn't necessarily all what that particular team will need for them to do I mean Al Horford is a great example of a guy who you know when he came to Boston you know they love the fact that he was you know a guy that could give him some points around the paint a guy who can decent rebounder can stretch the floor a little bit uh, but overall you're going to get a little bit of everything from him now Al's basically Mr. Catch and Shoot uh, and, and again, we, we talked about just that that mental shift that a player who's been in the league for as long as, as he has had to make from being, you know, someone who is a ball mover, getting the ball to his teammates to someone who now when the ball comes your way, they're looking for you to shoot. And that's not it, it sounds like a great situation if that's who you are, but that. It's not who he was. And so for the Celtics, as I said earlier, it's not the challenge. It's finding talent that fits in with the talent you have. That's the trick. Agreed. And some of those names I tossed out aren't the best defenders in the world. And Joe's not, Joe hasn't shown to be a guy who is going to demand defense for guys to play. You know, they got to do some things scheme wise to get Pritchard out there and not get attacked. And Hauser has his weaknesses on that end. And Cornette has his limitations despite being a great room protector. Uh, so those are questions you ask with all of those guys in terms of can they be playoff guys? Because that's what we're talking about here is uh, can any one of these guys get into a playoff game and help you? And I love Cornette. I don't know if he's that guy come playoff. We know, Bobby. We know. <laughs> Pritchard? He's closer. And Hauser, he's going to get his opportunity here. But last year, as we've talked about, on the roster, can't get in for a minute. Uh, and now we're starting to see some of the reasons why over the last month or so here. So you're stacking up quite a number of guys who can't get on the court. And uh, Gallinari, I'm not counting on him coming back. We've had this conversation too. I haven't heard anything. You see a ton of them. I'm sure he's there in Charlotte. He's been on the he road. I wish, I wish he could get back because the more I thought about I didn't like the signing, Sherrod. I didn't like the fit. I didn't always really? love the player. But once I saw him, his shooting numbers over the years and the consistency as a shooter, exactly. that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And he could have been great in a number of roles for them. You just wonder, multiple injuries on this knee, his age – the ramp-up time it would take for him to get on the floor and then jumping into a playoff game, playing for this team for the first time, it's, it, it'd take a lot to be able to help this team this postseason. But and you know what? For a veteran player who's never won a championship, who came here specifically with that goal, I think that his learning curve would be quicker than most. Uh, because I think they would put him in positions where there's very little that he will be expected to do. Uh, 
put him on the floor with guys who can help. Like for example, I would play him with Rob. I would make that a absolute priority because Rob is going to give you that rim protection defensively. Rob is going to give you someone who is a good offensive rebounder. And Gallinari is a space creator. Uh, he's a guy that knows how to score in this league. He's And the thing that, I again, I've always respected about his game is that he's one of those few stretch bigs that consistently recognizes when he has a mismatch and is not afraid to attack it right away. Like if he's out there on the floor and he's being guarded by like Al Horford and they get a switch and then he finds himself being guarded by, you know, uh, Peyton Pritchard, he's not going to dance around with the ball. He's going to put his back to him and try to back him down and force defense to react. And if they don't react, quick, and shoot right over the top of him. That's, that's what really good offensive minded players are capable of doing. Um, but again, like you, Bobby, I'm not banking on him being back, but I would not be the least bit shocked if we get to the second round of the playoffs and you're in games three or four. He's good to go. Would not shock me at all. I'd be shocked. I would be. It, just because of the timing. And I, everything you say is true. He's late in his career. He's trying to come back for a championship. And he could help you by hitting shots, not necessarily moving. But it is the playoffs, matchups, mismatches, those sort of things come into play there. And Mm -hmm. I've seen him on the floor. He hits everything. He's still got that touch, even without the lower body right now. He's still just starting to run for the first time. So there's Mm -hmm. quite a bit of work to go before he can get out and do any amount of live action. Uh, But he does have time. It's just mid-January now. He's on his feet. He's working every day. He's around the team quite a bit. So he's intent on coming back he hasn't said as such he, he's not sure if he's actually going to come back this year has that ability but he's putting everything he has into it i haven't and seen a guy not... who suffers this kind of injury right. you know hayward was putting in that effort i shouldn't say that mm-hmm. um but it just it was a much bigger injury than the one yeah gallinari sustained here. yeah Hay- hayward's was much worse but the thing about gallo that uh, again I, I i i just i, I can't underestimate or or just not give enough credit to desire to play. Yeah. Um, when you get to this point in your career and you know the clock is winding down, you know Father Time is just tapping you on the shoulder saying, you ready to go? You ready to go? Your motivation to get back on the floor, I think, is amplified significantly. And, and let's be real. You're not looking for him to play 20, 25 minutes. If you can get 10 minutes out of him, that could be exact. That could be the difference between winning game three uh, and going up 2-1 in a series versus being down 2-1 and having to win, you know, on the road to, to not put yourself in a major hole. Uh, would anyone be shocked if he plays like 10 minutes and gets you like five points in 10 minutes, a couple rebounds, and is done for the day? No. That may very well be all you need off that bench from that particular uh, position. Uh, so, I'm like I said, I'm not banking on him coming back in time to play at any portion of the playoffs, but I just think that he – if he's going to come pretty damn close to being able to come back and play, if he doesn't come back to play, and uh, again, chance that's all you're looking for is a shot, uh, and I think he has a shot of, uh, of coming back and potentially helping them in the playoffs. He has a shot. This year is so important to me, though. I'm willing to use picks uh, to consolidate a guy like that in particular uh, along with other guys lower on the bench if it brings you back more of a bona fide bench player because counting on guys who haven't been playoff contributors counting on a guy 
who just tore his ACL for the second time for those minutes, I think is really risky when you have this great of a chance to win a championship. Now, again, I'm not just let, I'm not just getting rid of these guys. Um, and, you know, that's actually what you run into this summer potentially because Gallinari has that second year on his contract. You might have to attach a pick to him to move him if you find out that it's not even going to happen next year after this injury. And there's no indication of that. I think there's a better chance uh, – he actually plays this year than there is that he doesn't play into next year. But uh, we're looking at this playoffs. And it's tough because you have that mid-level every year to use on a guy like that. He wasn't on my list. Uh, I had a number of guys on my list. And my number one, it still kills me, is Bruce Brown. And you look at what the Nuggets got out of him on that same deal. Two-year deal, player option. You would have been looking at free agency in this offseason, probably losing Bruce Brown. I think that's what's going to happen to the Nuggets, too, unless he just loves being there. Uh, but, man, has he been good for them. And I see someone yes. in the chat saying, like, you need someone that can make the other team tired off the bench. How good is Bruce Brown in that role? Rolling, defending, yeah. finishing, shooting threes a little bit now, too. It's one of yeah. the best signings of the offseason, and he's a guy from Boston – who killed you in that postseason while mm. everyone else was struggling on the nets. It was right in front of you. It felt like they didn't really even go after him, maybe just because he's not a, a bona fide shooter. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it's a little kind of um, just so a little surprising that he didn't register a little bit higher on their, their wish, wish list. But they made it clear what they're looking for. They want to stretch big. And they were looking for, you know, someone who can knock down shots. And Bruce doesn't really fit into either one of those categories neatly. So uh, based upon what they were looking to add, he wasn't a good fit. But damn, the effort, the energy, the intensity, all the intangibles that you want to come off that bench, he provides. He would have fit um, right in, especially with the other guys you have. Shooting, yeah. you have ball handling, so he doesn't have to handle the ball. And you need shots at the rim, and he gives you those. He's, he's such a smart roller and strong, active guy around the rim. Uh, it's a bummer. And now look at the Nuggets right now. You start to think about finals opponents. They're the number one offense. They passed the Celtics going into this game in the league. Uh, they're top 10 in defense since yeah. the new year. Jokic mm-hmm. taking that front runner seat in the MVP race. Be an interesting finals. That'd be a fun finals. I think uh, the Celtics would have the upper hand there off personnel, but the way they're playing now, I wouldn't go into it saying the Celtics are a lock. And Bruce Brown has a big reason for that. Yeah. Yeah, but that, but I mean, that ship is sailed and never again uh, yeah. anytime soon, uh, which is disappointing. But the, the, the what we're talking about, for the most part, Bobby, these are problems that – I'd say 24, 25 other teams would love to have. Uh, I mean, and, and that's and that's really you, you kind of you start to really think about where this they have the kind of problems that again they're not really problems. They don't feel like problems. We're nitpicking. I mean, these games don't matter, Sherrod. You understand why they're coming out and resting guys, maybe mm-hmm. sleepwalking through the early minutes like they did tonight. And then turning up late and getting out of here with a win. They can they can win games showing up for a quarter or two against yeah. teams like this. Certainly. So I wouldn't be stunned if they rested some guys on Monday. I'm not stunned that they're taking their time with Jalen Brown. And we're nitpicking around the edges of the roster right now because one through seven, one through eight, if you're healthy, this team has what it needs yeah. to win it all. Yeah. And having yeah. a Pritchard, having a Gallinari flyer, 
for the postseason, having a Hauser and a Cornet. Those are just bonuses if you get something from those guys. The only worry you have is in case of injury. And this is right. one of those rosters when you think about Rob, when you think about Al's age, when you think about the bumps and bruises in the backcourt, there are red flags where you say, well, this guy might have some issues and this guy could miss a game or two potentially. But you do you do just kind of imagine your roster being healthy and hoping that that's how you end up competing in the postseason and you don't have any of those what-ifs, which we, we know Celtics history, Sherrod. We just saw it last year. We're already saying, what if Rob was healthy for those finals? Things maybe go differently. And uh, hopefully they're not saying that this year. Um, we'll circle back to, speaking of injuries, Derek White in a second hopefully um hopefully joe sway will be joining us in just a minute here he's waiting to talk to tatum but in the meantime we'll talk about another great sponsor see the rooms filling up we'll see what you guys want to talk about as well in the meantime but i do want to get to white and uh, before we do that let's get to athletic greens ag1 love it got the bottle downstairs shrad still got any travel packs left i, I got probably my, running I, low I got my travel packs ready to roll. Perfect. Ready You're to only roll. halfway through this trip. You got another game to go. So you need those travel packs. What's in them? 75 vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, probiotics. Help your digestive system. Help your immune system with vitamin D. They're going to give you a year's supply of that when you make a purchase here. And it, it's it tastes great. It really does. It's got this nice tropical flavor. You've probably tried other green juices that you don't love or maybe make you feel a little a little uneasy when you take those sips. These are tasty. They give you that nice boost of energy. I know a lot of you probably drink coffee. You get on this for a couple months, and we've been having it for, what, five, six months now, maybe longer. At least, yeah. I can't even remember my time without Athletic Greens. You just pour it in your water each morning. Really easiest thing you can do. Not throw, not trying to make different meals, not trying to take different supplements. It's all here, 75 ingredients that you need for your health. And uh, you're going to get that year supply of vitamin D. You're going to get five free travel packs. You're going to get great gear like the cup, like the container. I should have brought it up. Um, the container, you just scoop it out of, put it in your AG1 bottle, sip it on the go, and it's easy to take with you if you run out for work. So go check out all that they have to offer. Love the brand. Love the product. And you can get it by going to athleticgreens.com slash garden. Let's welcome in Josue Pavone from charlotte out there on the floor arena staying put no noise no the robots fighting in the background we got another game coming up joe sway on monday yeah, it's low key out here there isn't a whole lot of banging and clacking and all that like in boston how am i pop how am i popping though i'm good I'm you're popping. looking good sounding good and i can't wait no to hear popcorn today joe sway no no popcorn today good way to go joe sway i'm out here we were just about to get to <laughs> Derek white Perfect timing, Josue. What do you think? Derek White goes down. I'm glad it's not a concussion. I'm glad there's not any of that, you know, the Kemba scare in Denver a couple years ago where he had that neck injury and they had to, I think, stretch him off in that game. But White gets right up, leaves just a neck strain. Doesn't sound too serious, but what did Joe have to say about it? Uh, Joe just said that he he, uh, he spoke to him in the locker room and he said that uh, he's okay. He hasn't got an official report yet. He made sure that he uh, he led with that and letting letting us know. But um, that's that's a that's a good sign, I guess. I mean, for him to say that is good. Jason Tatum also talked about it as well, saying that uh, he joked that he got that technical foul for him. But um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, 
after uh, after this type this type of win, you know, um, you, you can see the Celtics team obviously bounce back in a big way in that in that second half, well, leading into it even right in that second quarter. But um, it's unfortunate. It's too bad because even before that first quarter started, I don't know. I just saw Derek White shooting around. I actually posted a video on CLNS Media uh, on Celtics CLNS on on, uh, on Twitter, and I was like, man, he's feeling it right now. And then boom, he he drains three three quick ones in the in the first like six minutes of the first quarter before uh, before the injury. So it's unfortunate because I, I I do feel like he's sort of finding his rhythm right now, especially coming into this game. And I thought that he was he was gonna gonna go off a bit, you know, at least in this one. But um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. But the Celtics did it for him, so that's good. That's good, man. I think this is a, a a big win, a sign of maturity for sure. As Joe Mazzulla said um, a month ago, they don't win this game. Jason Tatum didn't agree with that assessment, but uh, I think what he's trying to say is, I'm quoting Tatum is. Uh, we, we we're, we've matured in the last month or so, right? We've come a long way in terms of uh, How getting rid of our yeah, that's game. 60, point, sixty point lead or sixteen point deficit rather, cutting it down Joe to Mazzoula. four halftime. That was huge. Yeah, Joe Mazzulla was right though. They wouldn't have won this game a month ago. He, you think? I, uh, How about a week? Yes. You got yeah. that Thunder game a week ago. It felt just like the Thunder game well, for about a quarter and a half. No, the Thunder game, they, they, they got their ass kicked from beginning to end. It, there was at no point in the first half that you could get any sense that they were going to climb back in it. Um, so I, th- th- that game was a wrap. The starters, the starters didn't play the whole fourth quarter. What do you mean, Bobby? Right, right. No, but but I, I don't think they would have won this game a month. I, I, Missoula is spot on. He's so spot on with this one. Because when Tatum struggles, these guys – with other, when Jalen Brown isn't around, they, they still really have that who is going to dig us out of this hole if Jason doesn't dig us out of this hole. And I thought this was a game where we're so used to seeing Tatum put these guys on, on his back. It was the opposite today. Brogdon, Marcus Smart with his passing, Al Horford with his plays, Time Lord with his uh, you know multi, multiple effort plays. You go down a line of everyone not named Jason Tatum seemed to do something to get these guys back into the game. And at that point, it was just like Tatum's like, well, shit. let me just do what Jason Tatum's supposed to do. Let me knock down some shots. Let me be aggressive. Let me find ways to contribute to the cause because everyone else is doing it. So I might as well, too. This was a great win for the team. Not for the for, for Tatum, not for Joe, but for the, the guys that don't really get credit for what they do and bring to the table. Uh, we always talk about that whole next man. I hate saying it, but it's true. This was a game where you, one of your guys was, was killing it, goes down, guys step in to his, get his minutes, and play great. That's how it's supposed to be. Great. This is what great teams are supposed to do. This they do a great job with that. They really do. And it makes you feel better about giving White the time he needs if he if he needs a couple games off here. Certainly Monday, if, if he needs it, Brogdon gets the uptick in minutes, shows sway. And what changed in his approach to you from before White got hurt, which was only a couple minutes, and then after once he got those extra opportunities to play with starters and smart and all the rest for 30 minutes? Not something we typically see from Brogdon. Oh, we lost Josue. No, getting no voice from you. <clears throat> oh, sorry, sorry. I muted it because these guys are talking behind me. Sorry, I muted. Um, to me, it was seeing the defense. You know, I, I think Malcolm Brogdon was picking his spots. I mean, he was being aggressive after the game. He said that, that um he wasn't you know, trying to go off a of thirty, but he sort of just it sort of just happened. But I, I feel like he was being more aggressive, and he was uh, uh he he got the mid shot the mid range shot going before halftime, and um yeah, he was just so efficient. That that's just. It's it's such an advantage for the Celtics to have someone like that. Obviously, leading your bench, being that sixth man, but um, someone who's capable 
capable of, of, of going for 30. I mean, that's that's why they brought him here, as Jason Tatum said. You know, like that's that's the kind of production that he's uh, capable of on, on on any given night, really. If he really wants to, he can he can flirt with 30 or, or go for over 20. But um, he does his best to lead that second unit. But he took the charge offensively in this one for sure. I think part of what made him more aggressive was the fact that LaMelo Ball was aggressive <laughs> and LaMelo was giving them the business. Yeah. I mean, he was getting like, laid out. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, at some point you got to look at and just say, you know what, man? Get this. I could score at this dude. I'll tell you, Sherrod. <laughs> that's a scary yeah. That's a scary team. They're going to be in that Victor Wembanyama range. If you pair... Victor with Lamelo and Hayward can get healthy next year. And Terry Rozier is still there. You have a team here that was already floating around the playoff line when they were right last Bobby, that's years. a lot of ifs. That's a lot of ifs. <laughs> a lot of ifs. But again, compare compare that to the Spurs or the Rockets or some of these You're other right. teams that could vec- get Victor. The Hornets are actually a team he could get on right away and make some noise in the East. Yeah, but that's a lot of ifs, Bobby. It is. is. I'm not saying they're a threat to you next year, but it's a, they're in your backyard look, looking in. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. But, that, but again, so many things have to break right for them. Um, yeah. Getting the pick, guys staying healthy, and guys developing chemistry. That's the, uh, Chemistry is one of the most underrated aspects of really good teams. Because to me, the Celtics are a great example. This is what happens when your chemistry is slightly tweaked. It may be tweaked in certain areas for the better, but you're probably going to lose a little something in the, in, the, in the transition. And we saw that with their with their defense. This defense for the early stages of the season wasn't nearly as good as it was a year ago. Yet their offense was just significantly better. Figuring out how to balance those two worlds is, is part of that transition when you're trying to make your team better. Um, and sure. the Celtics, I, again, I, I what I love about this win was that it really was their defense that kind of got them back into it and that they had to lean on to make plays and get things done and, and, and force Charlotte to become uncomfortable uh, because we start in the second quarter. That's when things started to get, a, that's when the defense I thought finally woke up and said, okay, we can actually force them to play the way we want them to and get some easy buckets in the process. And right. Charlotte, I thought, and Charlotte got tighter. The Celtics got stingier. And next thing you know, you got a double-digit lead going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, this yeah, is exactly it changed, why. It changed on a dime, Joe Sway. What happened? But this is exactly why. Well, I'll tell you in a second. But this is exactly why. Before the game started, Joe Mazzulla was like, "You cannot let these guys get off to a hot start." Right. Am, I sound, am I sounding better right now, by the way? Yeah, a little uh, bit. Okay, you cannot let these guys get off to a hot start because they're going to get comfortable and then they're going to get confident, and then all of a sudden it's a twenty-point you know game. It, it didn't get to that point, but it could have easily gotten to that point, right? So I, I, I think, um, you know, just that sort of memory of OKC and other games where they just really got their asses handed to them. I think that that helps, right? Especially for a team that's got experienced guys, the, the same team that turned into a 500 team last season. I think all of that has a lot to do with it. And they were just able to correct those, those mistakes. And, and all of a sudden it's a four point game going into halftime. I mean, like that's huge. Like that's how, uh, you know, getting your you-know-what handed to you so many times can do to, to a very talented team. And that's that's what we're seeing right now. That's what we saw, you know, tonight. Josue, the chat was going after Marcus. You've been here for years. You know how it goes. One bad game and he's out of town. What, 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 was, what was up with him tonight? It's we, like that? Is that what people are saying? 
Yeah, I mean, Brogdon has a great night. Smart's down, shooting poorly, and they're they're turning on him. I've seen a couple people say start Brogdon. I've seen people say Smart was terrible. He's plus 24 in this one. The defense fine. Had a double-double again, a couple steals. Do people just circle the points and the the three-point shooting and and that's all they see? Everything else is just sort of clouded out because – he does so much other stuff other than shoot. I know John would be rolling his eyes right now at that statement, but it's true about yeah. his performance here. Yeah, I just think honestly, when the when the Celtics, the shot was uh, terrible. By the way, I won't deny that. Right, right, but I just I, I just think sometimes he he doesn't have the, the the best of shot selection when it comes to trying to help his team come back. But it, all the other stuff that he gives you, it had a lot to do with them coming back as well, like the the, the defense and then him trying to sleep calmed the, the offense down i mean malcolm brogdon did a i guess in this one he was he was the he was much more efficient obviously but i i think marcus is this is someone that you have to start wondering if he should be a starting point guard you know I, I don't think this is something that should be a discussion at least not not right now i mean he's had he's been cold lately but i don't let's not hit the panic button here you know what i mean like I, he's still he's, he's he's got a lot going on i mean he hasn't been healthy and and, and i think um he's just Going with the flow right now, trying to um, trying to turn things around. But this is, I don't think this is that type of game where you look at Marcus Smart and you point out that stat line and say, okay, he's he's got to come off the bench now. I don't think that's it. Yeah, and he and he and Brandon can coexist. This is this is what we've talked about from the start. Derek White makes it complicated because you're trying to mix him in there minutes wise too, and Brogdon is taking the sacrifice in that sense. But Smart in turn, I thought, sacrificed in the second half and worked to get the ball to Brogdon, let Brogdon do the shooting, focused on facilitating while Tatum and others got down low and caught his passes and finished. And you had a pretty healthy offensive dynamic in that second half. Even the opening minutes of the game, I'll, I'll agree with you, Sherrod, in terms of the differences from the Thunder game. They got off to a good start the first couple of minutes there. And Smart was part of that. He hits a three. He's getting Rob looks. I love that they're getting Rob looks. We should talk about him for a minute. Yeah, Rob was big in this one. But sure, getting involved. Getting involved finally. Looking for the ball. Pointing guys in different directions. Uh, able to make some passes out of the post. There are a few looks where I wish he would put it up. And in this game, Like he when he's under the damn couple. rim? Like when yeah. he's under the damn rim? Yes, the missed layups, we talk about scoring missed threes. Rob's touch was not good in this one, but everything else was super impactful for him. And he had another 28-minute performance, so he's pointing in the right direction. He's feeling good. I don't know if he talked after this one, Joe Slay. You always got to ask how you're feeling after this one. I'm sure he says good. But every night, I feel like every night he just looks better. The springiness in one, too, uh, catching those early alley-oops way above the rim. He's starting to look like himself more and more each night, and they're involving him, which I love. And the guy that is, I, I think, the trigger man to involving him is Smart. Yeah, Smart. He looks smart. for I him. Think he, he looks does. for him more. And I, that was when I was saying earlier how I wish Marcus just worked more, getting downhill, dribble drive penetration. The reason I'm, I want him to do that more is because as he sucks the defense in, he's got the he's got the biggest high flyer in the game, just waiting for him to throw that lob. And if teams start backing off of Marcus and, and trying to prevent the lob, then Marcus has a layup. So you either get a, an assist or a bucket when you're dribble drive pin and shot. And that's, you know, I like to see him do more of that. Because I, I, I think Marcus, I think he's really good at that when he puts his mind to attacking teams with Rob on the floor. Now, if Rob is sitting on a bench and Marcus is still out there, eh, keep the ball moving. Keep the ball moving because you don't have 
a lob threat. Uh, and he's had a <laughs> – we're, we're nitpicking about a dude who had a double-double and was plus 24. I mean, that, that's, that's that's where, That's what we're at right now. Uh, he didn't, and again, I, as I said earlier before you came on, Josue, criticize the hell out of him for how he shot the ball in the first half because he deserved it. But get that man credit for the adjustments he made in the second half to not only make an impact for himself statistically, but also for the guys around him. Yeah. Um, this, this, I mean, it, you, you, Marcus, he, this, this was the best and worst of Marcus that we saw. Um, but I'm much, I, if I'm a Celtics fan, I'm glad that the best of him was in the second half. Because that means you probably had a chance to win. Uh, so, And they did. Josue, uh, I, mean, I want to get some thoughts out of the locker room from the press conferences, see what the highlights were there. But we do got to tell the people about our other sponsor. We're just overrun with sponsors. Love them. Rocket Money. This one's great. Again, another good problem to have, Bobby. Another good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Good problem yeah. to have. We don't need to trade any of them. Rocketmoney.com. Fits right in with the other sponsors here on your phone. All you got to do is type in this URL and it'll take you right to the link to download the app and check it out. See if it can help you. I think people don't realize what they sign up for. It's true. You you either go for a free trial or you sign up at one price or it increases. It's not just that you forget about having the app. That doesn't always happen. It's about the price you're paying. What's coming out of your account every month in general, which this helps with is as well, and how it all fits together, what you can get rid of, what you don't use, what you do use. It's just great management tools to keep an eye on your finances month to month. And sometimes if you had a subscription for a long time, you don't realize that you could save hundreds by canceling unnecessary ones. So it's a useful tool. Go check it out. Rocketmoney.com slash garden. That's rocketmoney.com slash garden. I've always loved that app, even before they were a sponsor here. Uh, yeah. Anything interesting out of post game is another one of those games where you, you kind of just try to show up and win. And they did a good job with that tonight after a sluggish quarter and a half there. I was super pleasantly surprised by the way they put it together. What, what was the key to them? Um, just finish out the quarter strong the way they did in that second quarter. I, I, I think that was big. Um, Malcolm Brogdon talked about that. Um, we had a couple people at the podium, but um, no, no locker room. Really, um, Mark, uh, Al was gonna speak, but they he didn't, and then uh, we had Malcolm and and, um, and Jason Tatum come out. But yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of what Brogan was saying was what, what Joe Mazzulla was saying, just the, the the signs of a mature team and, and and making those adjustments, and not necessarily flipping a switch, as people like to say. It's more of a just gradually, you know, getting into the game, and, and just you've already allowed the team, opposing team to get out to a quick start, but you start making short adjustments along the way, and making those adjustments. Well before halftime, it's just something that they just they wouldn't have done a month ago. Uh, Tatum might not agree with them losing this game. Maybe they do lose this game, especially on the road. However, it, it doesn't it doesn't you know um, take away from the fact that they've they're growing. You know they're they're really maturing as a team and, and as a group. And um, yeah, I mean a, a team like this that can knock down shots, knock down threes, um, have, have the athletic weight, you know athletic play, guys that can that can get high and really get out to a big lead. I mean the Celtics bounce back in a big way. These are the type of teams that can give you an L and can surprise you with an L. And, and Celtics make sure that didn't happen tonight. Celtics sticking around in Charlotte. Another game coming up on Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. They'll be part of the marquee matchups coming up on NBA TV. Big day in the NBA. So stay tuned. Sharad, Joe Sway sticking around. This team doesn't practice a ton. I'm sure that they're off tomorrow. Where are we going, Sharad? 
Same thing we do every road trip, Joe Sway. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's right. We're just working over here, guys. That's all we do. We're just right. On the grind, Joe Sway. Yeah, do my on the grind. How's Charlotte for food? You know I got to ask. I know. You're such a foodie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out. Honestly, I haven't really, uh, haven't, I didn't get the chance to explore yet. So I'll let you know by Monday. Sherrod, you got any insight there? There's some spots. There's some spots, right? There's a, oh, there's, spots, a, a, That's a there's a there's a 24 hour diner not too far from the arena. Um, I'm not going to say the name on air because I, I'm not trying to give them free pub. Once we get once we get off camera, Joseph, I'll tell you about that spot. It's not. It's, it's literally like maybe six minutes from the arena. Everything is near the arena. That's one thing they, I've, I've learned about Charlotte, man. It's, it's and they got some of the best. Ooh, they, yeah, they got some good stuff there. Could have asked Grant. Could have asked Grant. Maybe you gotta ask Grant on my on my Grant, you know, game. I for, you know, Grant Grant gave me some suggestions last time I came to Charlotte. I can't remember. Um I went to one of the restaurants that he recommended. It was good. I was and I, I'm I'm kicking myself for not remembering the name of it, but it was it, it was um it was really good though. It was really good. I'm gonna find out. Made some lamb tonight here. Good to be back home cooking. Oh, damn, Bobby. That's fancy. Oh. All right, guys, final uh, thoughts. Game Back one. 1 o'clock tomorrow. What do you got, Sherrod? Uh, this was, again, good win, good team win. Lots of guys stepped up. Uh, worried about Derek White. Um, you know, oh, just, I don't don't want that to be something that lingers or, or lasts. I think back to that time when Kimball Walker, you know, ran into Shimiola and was, you know, had kind of some neck issues. Uh, and, and that wasn't fun to see. So hopefully – uh, it was a good sign that Derek was able to get up and walk off on his own power, but hopefully he'll, you know, he'll, he'll just have to shake the cobwebs off and he'll be able to come back. Uh, he's one of two guys that has played in every single game for the Celtics this season, so hopefully that streak will continue. The other guy who's played in every single game is Sam Hauser. Mm. Um, I'm a, about real quick? Do you really want to do that? Uh, that can be that can be your final state. You can talk about that. As uh, your yeah, final state. okay, I, I got you. Justin got you. Jackson <laughs> sneaking in on his minutes, Josway. We saw it. I'm just going to say this. We're at the second half of the season, right? Which started a couple games ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. This is Joe Mazzulla saying, look, this is, as a, to, to use a, a, a professor's analogy, if you guys don't get the syllabus by now, like, I'm not playing <laughs> with you. I'm going to pull you out. You know, and I, and I think that's what happened with Hauser. I mean, look, we all know Hauser, he hasn't been great offensively in the last week or so. He hit a couple threes here and there, but he hasn't been that Hauser that uh, was, was really rolling about a month ago. And he gets beat on defense and one play. And Joe Mazzola was like, yo, I'm not playing. He was out there for like, what, 50 seconds, Rod? Pulled him. Justin Jackson starts the fourth. I mean, that's that's where Joe Mazzola is right now. It's like, yo, if you're not get, if you're not with the program, if you're not doing what everyone else is doing, then I'm pulling you. And I love that. I love seeing that from Joe. That's, He's got that's one job, that. Joe Sway. And maybe Jackson can do it better right now. I won't rule that out. We we don't know what he's doing in practice. We don't know if he's been on the cusp of doing something like this. I've in, seen him nailing everything in practice, Josue. You do hear this guy, he's in those shooting competitions with Smart, Brown, Tatum. He, he's got a shot. So, worth giving him a chance. Yeah. I always say this, Josue. Don't let these guys... The floor, though, right, Bobby? I think that's... Yeah. He, might, he might be doing something else on the defensive end during practice, but I'm with you. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not saying Jackson's about to come in and Light the world on fire, but right, I do say I, right, but I, I like that Joe is like, hey, that that's how easy it is to lose your spot here. You know, I like give him a try. It was just like Vaughn. It was just like Vaughn. Like, if you're not going to use him, get rid of him. If he's here, 
try to find a way to work him in if another guy's not doing that job. So right. I'm interested to see how they're going to use him on Monday for sure. That's definitely Same. one of my final thoughts. Same. Uh, otherwise, I like the double bigger back together. Another start for them, another solid rotation early in the game and right out of halftime to uh, establish leads and uh, – work on this defense that's now number two in the league this is what we knew they were capable of and since rob's back they're just number two behind memphis in defensive rating uh thanks to rob's return and other guys playing well around them and double big which is still so dominant on that end uh working through some good things offensively with that unit as well uh, i think joe shouted out their 1.3 uh expected points for possession when they shoot with that lineup out there so he's like in the spacing he likes everything they provide which i was worrying about joe sway i thought yeah. he was going to be all about small ball i thought he was going to be trying to space the floor and have five shooters out there all the time but he cares about defense too and they're getting that with the double big unit out there i'm sure we'll see them again on monday depending on how things shake out we'll keep an eye on the injury report as well tomorrow uh, and see how Derek white's doing uh, hopefully there'll be more information on him coming soon of course Follow Sherrod, Joe Sway, both down there. Going to be some reports coming out on Celtics All Access. Subscribe over there. Check out our post-game stand-ups. Always get some good information, some banter, and uh, you know some news as well, potentially, if anything else comes in over the next minutes here or into tomorrow. They'll be down there to cover it all. Of course, show our sponsors some love. HelloFresh. Dot com slash garden 21 is going to get you 21 free meals and free shipping when you head over there. Love those meals. AG1AthleticGreens.com. <laughs> Luckily, this ice just way and it's cold outside. I'll stay fresh. <laughs> AthleticGreens.com slash garden. Your supply of vitamin D get you through next winter. Immune boosting vitamin D free travel packs with your first purchase over there your nutritional insurance daily and rocketmoney.com slash garden save hundreds on unused unnecessary subscriptions great app uh, for you to use final score tonight is celtics 122 hornets 106 game two coming up on monday between these two in the mini series one o'clock eastern afternoon game we'll be back for post game hopefully jimmy john on the holiday joining us as well that afternoon i'll be here i'm here pretty much every night <laughs> and joe sway and sherrod appreciate you guys coming to us uh, down in charlotte good night everybody absolutely